for checking out this message from Spring Mountain. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, swimmountcf.co.uk. Or join us every Sunday from 11am at Abbey Road in Barrow and Furness. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, then please email prayer at springmountcf.co.uk. Morning. You all enjoyed uh, an extra less hour sleep last night? Oh. Yeah? Anyone with children, their children... Oh, there we go. Anyone with children, their children enjoy the uh, extra less hour? Did you get an extra hour when you've got children? No? No? Does it not feel like it because it's a little bit later? It's the other time where it's a bit of a nightmare where they don't understand that you get an extra hour and uh, they still get up at whatever time. But uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever been asked or have you ever been told or encouraged to achieve your dreams, that you can achieve your dreams, yeah? Okay, you should go for your dreams, you can achieve your dreams, okay? There's some dreams I wouldn't want to achieve, you know, like the one where you're back at school sitting a test and you realise you, you've not got your uniform on and you're different to everybody else, or this week I dreamt I'd broken my iPad, well, I've achieved that one quite a few times, so, but there's some dreams we can't achieve, you know, there was a, a Barbie poster in a shop I saw yesterday and it said, you can be anything you want to be, it's like, that's not true, is it? You can't. If you want to be a, a carrot, you can't be a carrot. So <laughs> it's true, isn't it? You know, ignore the haters and pursue your dreams. In the Bible, the Bible is full of people who had dreams. Joseph had dreams that were significant. You know, Daniel had dreams that were significant. And here in Esther, we see a king who can't sleep. We don't know if it's because he's had a nightmare. We don't know if he's just had a bad dream. We don't know if he's just, just unsettled. But because he can't sleep... Something happens, and this is no coincidence. You know, do you believe in coincidences? Some people believe in fate, coincidences. I met somebody once who says, I don't believe in coincidences. I said, that's amazing, neither do I. Um, anyway, if you think about it, it's okay. If you think about that, it's a bit of a slow burner, okay? I'll explain it to you later if you don't get it, you know. Um, yeah, okay. See me later, Tom. It's okay. <laughs> But coincidences, you know, the book of Esther, we keep saying as we go through this that God's name is not mentioned. But actually, this chapter is full of things that we can see God working at. This king cannot sleep, and it is no coincidence. Because what happens is this. Esther chapter 6 and verses 1 to 3 say, That night the king couldn't sleep. He ordered the record book, the day-by-day -day journal of events, to be brought and read to him. They came across the story there about the time that Mordecai had exposed the plot of Bigthanar and Teresh, the two royal eunuchs who guarded the entrance and who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. The king asked what great honor was given to Mordecai for this. Nothing, replied the king's servants. Nothing has been done for him. Stop there a minute. We should have started this morning with a previously in Esther, okay? If you go back to chapter one and the very first session we did on Esther, the end of the chapter sees Mordecai sitting by the gate of the city because he's worried about Esther. He's looking out for Esther, so he sits by the gate to keep up with the news of how she's doing. She's been taken to the king and Mordecai sits there and because he's sat by this gate, he hears of a plot to assassinate the king. Do you believe in coincidences? I believe that God is in the incidences. I believe that God is in it. Mordecai is sat just where he needs to be to discover a plot against King Xerxes. And here we see, five chapters later, a long time later, the king can't sleep 
He wants a bedtime story. He likes a bedtime story. Yeah, yeah, a few of us, Raymond, excellent. Okay, um, and actually he wants the books of the history, if you like, the books that have happened in his reign to be read to him. Bit of an ego trip, really, isn't it? You know, it'd be like me saying, Ross, I can't sleep. Please, could you just tell me how wonderful I am? Uh, please, could you tell me about all the things that I've done that are amazing? Um, she does it regularly, obviously. But um, <laughs> he couldn't sleep. He couldn't sleep. It's a very short book. <laughs> okay. And so they read the stories of what's happened. And here comes this story in the midst of all of this history that Mordecai has thwarted a plot to kill the king. Is that a coincidence? Or is it a God incident? God is in the details. Behind the scenes, he's not mentioned, but he's there. Throughout this chapter, we've only got three verses in, and we see God is working. You know, thankfulness is important, isn't it? Yeah? Who of us have taught our children manners? Yeah? Okay? One of the first words we perhaps teach to our children in the north, those of you who are southerners might not understand this, is we go, ta. Sorry, I shouldn't be offended. Lawrence, you know, obviously you're going to become an honorary northerner, so that's fine. (laughs) But um, one of the things we say to our children is, and Americans, you probably won't get this either, so it's fine. We say the word tar. We give our children something and we say tar. Why we're saying it to them, I don't know. But we're teaching them to say that short form of thank you. Because up here we say tar very much, and people go, what? What are you on about? That's what's on the road. Um, Tar? What's that all about? And actually, we say thank you, and we teach our children from a very early age to be thankful. And thankfulness is really, really important. Who is grateful this morning to their children? Okay, excellent. Who is grateful this morning to their family? Let's widen it. Who is grateful this morning to their friends? And who is grateful this morning? I'm grateful this morning to Ashley because she is helping Chris with the words. She won't want me to point her out. But we've got people stepping up. I'm grateful this morning to the people who got here early to set up and to do the sound, to do the welcome. I'm really thankful for them. And I hope that you guys will say thank you to them as well. You know, ta very much. Thank you. You know, give them something. Ta. It's a northern thing. It's a simple thank you. And here... King Xerxes hears of this story, this man who has stopped his death, and he says, what was done for Mordecai? And the servants say, nothing, nothing at all. If somebody saved your life, would you be thankful for it? (laughs) Yeah. This guy has stopped the king from being killed, and nothing is done. No thankfulness, no gratefulness at all. But actually, is that a coincidence that nothing has been done? No. God is at work. So next time you're feeling a bit aggrieved because somebody has treated you and you think, oh, they've taken me for granted. You know, they're not grateful to me at all. Maybe think God is at work in this. Because here, the lack of thankfulness leads to God at work. Coincidence? No. God incidence. Xerxes can't sleep. Read me a story. Help me sleep. Tell me about me. What was done for Mordecai? Nothing. You know, many of us, if nothing was done to to say thank you, would take that as a bit of a slap in our face, wouldn't we? We'd often sort of perhaps sulk about it for days, thinking, I've done that and nobody's noticed. Nobody's given me any credit. I want someone to say thank you and well done. Yeah, it's good to do that. It's nice to say thank you. It's nice to honor. It's nice to recognize. But we don't do it for that. What we do is we do it for God. 
We do it for God's glory, whether that's being a parent, whether that's being an employee. We do it for God. We don't do it for praise from people. It's nice to have praise from people, and yeah, we should be grateful. But that isn't what it's all about. The hokey-cokey is, apparently. Um, (laughs) Sorry, distraction. Look what I've done for you, and you've not said ta. Look what I've done for you, and you've not said thank you. Look how much I've given to you. Look at the time I've spent with you. And yet, you've not, you've not even said a simple thank you. And we hold on to that, don't we? And that's a little bit like the Haman of last week, walking out from the king's presence and going, oh, that person, that Mordecai didn't respect me, so I'm going to have him and all his nation killed. And that's a little bit Haman, isn't it? When we react in such a way, when we don't get a thanks, maybe, maybe we sulk or we whinge or we moan or we complain. But looking back it's sometimes a lot easier to see the things that people have done for us. Today on Mother's Day, we'll see lots of posts, I've done it myself, on Facebook maybe, for those of us that are Facebook saying, with a picture of our mum saying, what are the best mum in the world? They can't all be, sadly. Okay, Perhaps we need an Olympics to see who is the best mum in the world maybe. But they are the best mum to you. And maybe you've put that on Facebook this morning. And looking back, it is easy to see the people and the events that we are thankful for, yeah? Would you agree? It's not always easy to see at the time. So if you don't get a thanks, maybe you pray that it'll come (laughs) and then a different way. You know, I used to, you know, my mum did my head in. She did my head in, you know, but she still does sometimes, but she did my head in because she made me sit and practice my piano. She made me sit. Rachel's nodding her head as you did that same with in the Docker household, I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. She made me sit every night and do my piano practice. Am I grateful now? Yeah, you can bet I am. You can bet I am. Was I grateful at the time? No. I wanted to go out on my bike. I wanted to go and play with my friends. I didn't want to sit and play my piano. I can turn up and the teacher will never know. That never happens, by the way, okay? Never happens. I got away with it for so long, but not forever. Have I given my mum great honor later on? I hope so. At the time, I wasn't very thankful, and she probably felt like it was a real chore, and she probably felt that ungrateful son of mine, I'm paying, him to, paying for him to go to lessons, and what do I get? Nothing but moan, whinge, and complain. But now I can look back and go, Mom, I'm so grateful you did that. My sister, on the other hand, rebelled and said, I'm not going to piano anymore, I can't stand it, and she wishes she'd kept up with it, because she didn't see at the time the benefit and the gratitude and the help. So when we don't get a thanks immediately, it's better late than never. Don't have sleepless nights over lack of gratitude. Don't have sleepless nights worrying that somebody isn't grateful for what you're doing. But instead, give the glory to God. Give the glory to God. Xerxes was having a sleepless night between the banquets. Is that a coincidence that Xerxes has this sleepless night on that night in between these meals with Esther? No. God is at work. He is at work in every situation. He is working your situation. He is at work in everything you are doing. Well, let's carry on. Verse 4 says this. The king said, is there anybody out in the court? And guess who's out in the court? Haman. Now, Haman had just come into the outer court. Is that a coincidence? No. God is in the details. Haman had just come into the outer court of the king's palace to talk to the king about hanging Mordecai and the gallows he had built for him. Remember this? 
Haman, hang him on a gallows and then enjoy yourself. Do you remember that? Get even, get revenge, and then go and enjoy your meal. That was last week's finish, if you like. And so Mordecai is threatened with death. Haman walks in to tell the king what he's going to do. And the king has had a dream about Mordecai. No, not a dream. Had a restless night and heard about Mordecai. Do we need any more evidence that God is in this? Because it's coincidence after coincidence, if you look at it without a God view. But with God, we can see he is steering this. God is at work. Verses 5 to 9. The king's servant said to Haman, sorry, so the king's servant said, Haman is out there waiting in the court. Bring him in, said the king. When Haman entered, the king said, what would be appropriate for the man the king especially wants to honor? Oh, there's a question. It's a little bit vague, isn't it? The king says to Haman, this man who is plotting, who is plotting the demise of Mordecai, this man who in the last chapter has gone and boasted about how wonderful he is, how the king thinks he's great. And the king says to him, Haman, what do you think I should do for the person I most want to honor? And Haman thought to himself, he must be talking about honoring me. (laughs) Coincidence? I don't think so. God incidents. He must be talking about honoring me. Who else? (laughs) Who else could he be talking about? Who else is worthy of honor but me, says Haman. So he answered the king, for the man the king delights to honor, do this. Bring a royal robe that the king has worn. Don't quite get why it has to be one that the king has worn, other than, you know, it's obviously it's touched greatness, maybe. I went to see Jason Donovan last night. I'm not embarrassed to admit it, okay? I was one of the few men in the room, it has to be said. And actually, the number of ladies at the end as he walked off who were desperately trying to just shake his hand and have a touch from Jason Donovan. It's like, okay. So maybe Haman was a bit like that. Bring a royal robe that the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden. A horse the king has ridden. One with a royal crown on its head. A horse with a crown on its head. Come on. This is, this is bonkers. You know, even the horse is getting praise. Then give the robe and the horse to one of the king's most noble princes. Have him robe the man. So not just be clothed by anybody, but have him clothed by a prince. You know, this is, he's really bigging himself up here, isn't he? Have him clothed by a prince and then um, have him robe the man who the king especially wants to honor. Have the prince lead him on horseback through the city square proclaiming before him, this is what is done. For the man whom the king especially wants to honor. In other words, give me your best coat. Give me your best horse. Put a crown on the horse. Have somebody really important lead me around the streets and go, he's the man. Okay? Haman's the man. That's what he's thinking. I want everybody to see how wonderful I am. I want some gratitude. I want some thanks. You know, Haman comes into this courtroom and he's asked a question very similar to the question that Esther was asked last week. Esther was asked, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Can you see a contrast here? Esther was humble. She was faithful. She was committed. And all she asked for was another date, another opportunity to meet with the king. Another opportunity to have a food and a conversation with somebody. Yet Haman is asked pretty much the same question, or he thinks he's asked pretty much the same question, because it's not actually about him. But he responds very differently, doesn't he? Big me up. Make me look great. Make me look great, but not only make me look great, let everybody else know that you think I'm great and let them think I'm great. (laughs) That's what he's wanting. Do we live for praise? Do we live for praise? You know, when I first came up to Barrow, there were times where if I didn't get encouragement of certain people, I thought, oh, 
I've not made it. It was almost as bad as being discouraged. But actually, we realize our encouragement has got to come from God alone. You know, he is the one that pours out blessing. He is the one who is with us and promises never to leave us. He is the one who promises to walk beside us and never run ahead of us, if you like. He is the one who promises to be before us, but also behind us. And he is the one that in all of life's journeys will be there no matter what. That is what we want. And yet we are so obsessed with either ourselves or other people's praise. You know, what do you think I should do for a really good friend? What should I do? Haman lays it on thick because he thinks it's coming his way. How many of us, you know, if somebody said, oh, I've got an idea for a present for a friend, what should I get them? And you're thinking, oh, I'm their only friend. (laughs) You'd do the same maybe. Haman lays it on thick. Let's see what happens next because here is where we see God taking it into his hands. We said last week that verse in, in, in the New Testament that says, revenge is mine, saith the Lord. You know, we don't need to get even. We need to love. As a church, we're not there to be unforgiving, to be ungrateful. We're there to love. And we're there to lift him higher, not ourselves. Xerxes says this, verse 10, go and do it, the king said to Haman. Don't waste another minute. Take the robe and the horse and do what you have proposed to Mordecai the Jew who sits at the king's gate. You can imagine at this point, Haman's jaw hits the floor. He has come into the king's chamber to say, King, I've got this great plan to impale Mordecai on a 75 foot high spike so everyone can see his traitorous nature. Are you going to let me do it? And in the end, what does he do? Yes, he ends up lifting him high. But not in the same way. Not in the same way. Do this for Mordecai. Do not leave out a single detail of your plan. It's great, isn't it? Horse with a crown on it for Mordecai. Brilliant. So Haman took the robe and horse. He rode Mordecai and led him through the city square, proclaiming before him, and I wonder if he said it like this, this is what he's done for the man whom the king especially wants to honor. I think he would have had to walk through the town with Mordecai on horseback going, this is what the king wants to do for the man he wants to honor. This is the thing the king wants to do for the man he wants to honor. Before all these people, Haman ends up lifting Mordecai high. But not in the way he thought he was going to. Because God is in the details. There is no coincidence with God. God gives opportunity and God is working behind the scenes, even in the darkest of days. Mordecai here, remember, and his people are under threat of death anyway. Mordecai is not sitting by this gate oblivious to everything. The king has signed a law that says on a certain day the Jewish nation are to be annihilated. And yet Mordecai ends up riding on horseback being lauded. You know, As Christians, we've got to wait on God, not wait on man. Because what is it, if we're looking for what the king wants to honor, or we're looking for what the king of kings wants to honor, are we looking for him, or are we looking for others? You know, this this chapter is hilarious. If you look at it from a human perspective, there's humor here. whoever Whoever wrote this book is saying, oh, look at this. This guy's trying to do something. God has other plans. You know, there's a, I think there's a, there's a proverb, isn't there? That's, is it man plans and God laughs? Okay. You know, I don't think he laughs at us. I think he laughs with us. 
But I think actually God wants to bless us. He wants to lift us, not necessarily in a material way, but he wants to bless us with more of him, an abundance of him. And yet we stop him by blocking the flow. Haman ends up leading the man he hates through the streets and praising him and thanking him on behalf of the king. Coincidence? No. God is in the details. You know, have any of us ever felt ashamed or condemned because of our faith, because of things we've done, even coming into church? Does anyone feel that though they must maybe take a stand for God, that their past comes back and slaps them down? Or even some of the things in our present, you know, you do not know this morning whether I've, had, I've kicked our dog this morning. You know, I might have had a fit of anger because our dog is diabetic at the moment, we've discovered. It's a very sad And has to have injections and a special diet. This is a dog. And I was told if I take her to the vets, I might not bring her back, so I'm not allowed to take her to the vets. But actually, does that stop me being able to praise God? No. Is my past going to be allowed to slap me down? Not in God's eyes. Not in God's eyes. Because God lifts us up because he says, there's my child. Look at David who wrote the Psalms. We still read and sing from his words today. And yet he was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was a, he was a man after God's own heart, but he did some terrible things. And yet he was used by God because he wanted to lift God above everything else. So this morning, I believe as we read this, you know, Mordecai was under threat of condemnation because of his faith and because he refused to do what others wanted. And yet, God raised him up above the ones around him. This morning, I want to say, don't feel ashamed because of your past. Rejoice because of your future. Don't feel ashamed because of the things you've done. Use them as a warning to do better. Use them as a warning to improve. And use them as a warning to say, I'm not going back there. I'm going to lift God higher. And God will not use your past to slap you down. You know, as I read this passage, I was reminded of verses that have been spoken over us as a church many times in recent months. And those are the verses from Isaiah 54 verses 2 to 4, that I believe are a promise that we can hold on to from God because they've been spoken over us in so many situations and brought to us in so many situations that it can't be coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe that God is working the details out. We just don't see the big picture. Isaiah 54, verses 2 to 4 says this, Enlarge the place of your tent. Do you remember we had the tent out? Yeah? Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. And I could stop there, because that is part of the promise that we believe God has for us as Spring Mount, as Spring Mount Church here in Barrow. But if you carry on with verse 4, it says this, do not be afraid. Why? Why should we not be afraid? Because you will not be put to shame. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. God is saying you will spread out. 
You, it's important we strengthen our stakes. I'm giving you more. And don't worry about the shame of your youth, your past. Do not allow that past to, to, to shape who you are. Do not allow people who've condemned you and reproached you to stop you. So long as God is first and foremost. Why should we not allow that shame to, to, to affect us? Because God takes it and puts it on the cross and puts it as far from us as the east is from the west. That's why. That's his promise. But the sad thing is, you know, even in our church, we can still end up pointing fingers. Even in our Christian circles, we can still condemn one another because of the past or present that isn't good enough for our judgment. But God says, I love you. I love you. Come to me. I love you. I want you to be used in my kingdom. I want you to be a part of my plan. I want you to lift my name high so others can join in and see the difference I can make. So do not be afraid. Do not be put to shame. You might come in this morning and every time you come, you might think, if only they knew who I've been. If only they know the things I've done. If only they knew the way I've behaved. Even in the last week, <laughs> they wouldn't welcome me. Well, do you know what? God does, so we should. God does, so we should. And God says, come to me, all. No exception, all. And actually, God takes our shame and looks at it no more. So just when it looks like Mordecai is going to be killed and hung in front of a whole nation, just as it looks like he's going to be put to shame and, and vilified, God turns the situation around. God turns the situation around. You know, I was reminded of a Corrie ten Boom quote, quote I read in our book group a few weeks ago. And it was this. He says, when you get, she said, when you get on a train and you go through a dark tunnel... You don't suddenly throw your ticket away and jump off the train. You sit and wait for the light to come. So true. You might be in a dark place. Mordecai was in the darkest of dark places. Some of it he knew, some of it he didn't. And he just sat and waited at the gate on God for him to act. So the chapter finishes like this. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate. <laughs> Notice that, humility. He doesn't then walk through the town going, yes, guys, I'm here. I'm Mordecai. I'm the one the king wants to honor. Everybody come and bow down to me. He goes back to sitting in his ordinary. He goes back to sitting in his day-to-day, -day, waiting for God to move, waiting for God to act. Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman fled to his house, thoroughly mortified, hiding his face. When Haman had finished telling his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his knowledgeable friends who were there and his wife Zeresh said, if this Mordecai is in fact a Jew, your bad luck has only begun. You don't stand a chance against him. You're as good as ruined. While they were still talking, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried Haman off to the dinner that Esther had prepared. You know, Mordecai is honored, but goes back to his place Sitting and waiting. He doesn't lord it over everybody, whereas Haman returns to his wife, the wife who suggested he impaled Mordecai on a pole. 
And what does she realize through this story, this series of coincidences, this series of God incidences? What does she learn and his wise friends? Haman, you won't be able to stand against him. Why? Because she's seen and knows that God is at work, that God is in the details. You won't be able to stand against him. Why? Because he's one of God's children. He's one of God's boys. He's one of God's people. The tables are turned. Is that a coincidence? No. God is in the details. Sometimes we might have to sit and wait in our ordinary before we see it happen. But God promises to not put us to shame. He promises to never leave us. He promises to work his purposes out. He's not just working it out for one man here. This is working it out for a whole nation. This is working it out for his people. Because he loves them. And this morning, he loves us. So what can we learn from Esther chapter 6? Well, first of all, we need to be thankful that God is greater. That no one can stand against him. That Jesus has paid the price. That we can be confident when we are obedient and follow him that he will guide our paths. That he will be a light to our feet and that he will not put us to shame. You know, being put to shame doesn't mean not struggling. It doesn't mean not suffering. We see the church worldwide struggling and suffering sometimes because of governments and, and rulers. But actually, most of the time, those situations, it spurs them on to do more for God, to live more for God, to be more for God, because they have to depend on him. What was it Ray said a few weeks ago? You can't sing all I need is God until all you've got is God. Many examples in the Bible end with victory over adversity, doesn't it? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thrown into the fire, they survive. Daniel, thrown into the lion's den, survives. But even if we die, they say, we won't bow down. Even if. They were prepared for it not to end happily. They were prepared for it not to be all right at that point. But in the end, the story of Jesus tells us it is all right. Because although he died, he rose again. He rose again so we could defeat death and sin. Stephen was killed for his faith. Paul constantly ends up in prison. Even if you will not be put to shame, if you're obedient and faithful to the one who calls you. This morning, we can be new life. God is at work. Do you believe God is at work in your situation? Or do you just think, well, there's a couple of coincidences when I pray. Somebody once said, you know, prayer's rubbish, it's just coincidence. And somebody responded and said, well, actually, the more I pray, the more coincidences I see. Is that a coincidence? No. It's a God incidence. God is at work in our situation. Nothing can stand against him. Looking back, we need to be grateful. Grateful for people, but grateful for Jesus that he died for us. Grateful for the price that was paid so we could be free. And grateful for people who led us to a place where we could hear his word. You know, nothing can stand against him. He will not hold your shame against you. But we do need to stop picking it up and carrying it along with us. We need to put it down and let him deal with it so that we can be free. This morning, let's be thankful. This morning, let's pray. This morning, let us recognize that no matter what situation we're in, God has the details. And God can turn it around for his glory. And he will not put you to shame. He will not let you be put to shame. 
if you put him first. So let's pray. As we worship, as we come to a close, towards the end, when the children come in, they will come in with gifts for people, uh, mothers or ladies. So don't rush off. But we're going to lead into communion. We're going to lead into prayer. If you, if you are struggling with your shame this morning, if you're struggling with your past or your present, I want to invite you to come and bring it to God. The prayer team will be around at the front. Come and bring it to God and ask them just to pray over you because he won't put you to shame. Other people might, but we need to pray as well that we'll stop picking it up, that we'll stop picking it up and carrying it with us. Lay your burdens onto Jesus. Put down the things that he's asking you to put down and move freely. Throw off all that hinders because there's a crowd of people cheering you on and Jesus is at the front of that crowd saying, come on to me. Father God, I thank you for this, this message. I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we will not allow our past to define us. We will not allow the shame that is heaped on us to stop us from being your child. And Father, I pray, Lord, as church, if we're Christians this morning, that we will not be people who heap shame on people. But Father God, instead, we look purely at ourselves and take the planks out of our own eyes. <laughs> Father God, I pray that you will help us to deal with those things that we hold on to in our hearts. And Father, give them to you. Because you are a God who is in the details. And you are a God who can turn even the darkest situation around. Father God, sometimes we don't see it till we look back. But I pray that we will be a thankful, grateful people. Because Jesus lives, I can live. Because Jesus died and rose again, I can be free. Father God, help me to put my sin and shame down and to walk in your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.